Hi there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Alternative Investing Podcast. My mission is to help business owners build high performance wealth that delivers reliable, predictable cash flow through unconventional strategies so they can fast track their path to financial freedom. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, Again, I have my friend Tyrone Shum on this episode with me. Uh, We're spending a little bit of time unpacking part two of the freedom formula uh, equation so that those of you who are really interested in understanding the access piece, the access to Epic Deal Flow, can maybe uh, marinate on some of the the ideas around what it takes to build a relationship based referral network when it comes to deal flow. So anyway, on with the episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, Selena. Thanks, Tyrone. Great to be here again. Fantastic. Well, we've recently had an episode where we talked about the Freedom Warrior Plan. And that was a fantastic episode. You know, I I got some really, really great insights into what is possible and how we can plan out. And we said we're going to come back for part two. So this is part two of that of that um, of the start. And what we wanted to do is probably explain to people what's next. You know, that that's after you've got this plan. What do we do? Yeah. So um, just for those people who may not have heard that previous episode, what I was really sharing about was um, the five-year financial freedom formula that I talk about in in terms of uh, how do you achieve financial freedom in five years or less, um, meaning you have liquidity, the liquidity you want, you've got the leverage that you want, and you've got that capacity to create legacy. And part one was all about the plan. Part two is really um, all about the deals. Um, so your your ability to access deals and create opportunities is ultimately uh, what will deliver consistent, predictable income. So this part two is really saying that, you know, where a lot of investors really flounder is they don't create enough opportunity for themselves and they don't necessarily have access to the right deals. I'm really excited about this because this is kind of the stage that I love playing in. <laughs> <laughs> especially what, what I've been working in. And, and as you know, and most I think uh, people know from the podcast is, you know, I love accessing these alternate strategy type of opportunities out there. I guess the thing is, is as you said, you know, it's the deal flow. Like I think there's just so much out there in the market. You know, you could go to potentially a buyer's agent and they can help you find another property to buy. You could go to you know, maybe a financial advisor and they recommend to go and buy shares and stocks and all these other things. The thing is, is like, how do we sort of realize or look at this from the plan's perspective that would be sort of suitable for, you know, maybe an individual or maybe even the case study that we looked at? Like maybe well, let's talk about that actually from the previous case study where they, they had a business and that they wanted to achieve $200,000 um, passive income from, from, you know, their portfolio, but they are limited because of where they're at this point in time. What's has sort of been the, the next steps for them to be able to access this or get into these type of strategies? So part of the journey around building your plan is really about making clear which strategies are a fit for you and which aren't. So even within the space of uh, traditional and alternative property investing, there's dozens of strategies, as, as you know. Um, 
and we've we've spoken about some of them in in past podcasts but the the opportunity component of this the next stage of this freedom formula is about really answering the question are you confident that you have access to the types of deals that you need to hit your goals so the plan is about saying well i like these strategies and they are in alignment with my risk profile and they're going to get me to where i want to go so i need this amount of um, traditional in, in, in traditional property and I need this amount of money working for me harder at, say, a, a net return of 10%. So you've, you've got that piece of the puzzle done. You've maybe even narrowed down to, well, I like this. I like syndications and I like joint ventures and I like private funds. And, and so then this piece of the puzzle is, well, how are you going to get access to deals? And so this is, a, this is a question that has two parts to it. One is how strong is your pipeline? Do you have a pipeline of alternative investment uh, that you can just dip into that deliver that double-digit return? Do you um, do you know the right people who can help you get where you want to go? Instead of chasing deals, do you have a network of people that can just deliver you A-grade opportunities, you know, as and when you need them? Um, and I guess the added dimension to this that people don't think about is does your network actually help you, um, you know, invest your money well in advance of having it. Um, So one of the things that I like to talk to business owners about is, you know, most businesses have a a bit of a rhythm around, you know, for example, this is roughly how much money I make each quarter. And so if you can, um, if you've got a strong pipeline of opportunity, um, what you can do is you can say, well, I'm, I'm here in, you know, the month of whatever, August. I know that in the December quarter, I'm going to roughly have this amount of capital to play with. And so what you can be doing in this quarter is planning what you're going to do with that money in the next quarter. And that's really the game that we're trying to play is how do you, what I see investors often doing is money burns a hole in their pocket. They go, oh, I've got access to this bank line of credit or I've got cash sitting there it's wasting time. There's an opportunity, like like people kind of understand that there's an opportunity cost. And so they rush out and they just want to park their money somewhere. And inevitably, and I've spoken to hundreds of investors who've done this, they've, they've committed to a project that really wasn't in alignment with their goals. They've settled on uh, an investment or a property, which maybe is in alignment with their goals, but isn't, is not really going to give them the performance they want or they've made a decision based on flimsy due diligence, or you know, there's there's all sorts of reasons. But people are in a rush to get into the investment, so they end up, you know, being wrong-footed. And so this concept of having a, a pipeline and answering the question for yourself: How strong is my pipeline? Do I know the right people? So, say for example, with the stuff that you do, Tyrone, if I know that you have a, a certain availability of deal flow for me that it earns a certain rate of return, I'd want to be talking to you now in relation to money I'm going to have next quarter. I don't want to be leaving it to the nth hour because I want to be on your radar. You know, the the reality is A-grade epic deal flow is limited. There's no question. So it's really about tapping into the right uh, people with the right uh, opportunities. And so the second part of opportunity and deals um, is have you been active in fostering a network of exclusive relationships, which, you know, 
do you have access to A-grade dealmakers who can hand you premium investment opportunities that aren't available to the masses? Do you know the right people who can help you so that you never have to chase deals or waste time sifting through opportunities? And then the third part of this, which again, a lot of people overlook, is does your network help you navigate challenges in the market? So for me, my trusted advisor network serves two purposes. One is the deals, which I know is the thing that everybody's most concerned with because that's the sexy part. But the other part of it is these guys are in the trenches. They have their finger on the pulse of what is happening in the market. So I go to them for wisdom and guidance around things that could potentially upset my apple cart. They give me a sense of, Selena, like, this is becoming overheated. You know, we think the you know the opportunity needs to shift here or here's a defensive way to kind of protect against this happening. And, you know, you, you can never have all the answers and you can't, you know, there's no crystal ball. No. But having a relationship with a lot of people who this, you know, they are known as being number one in the world for that strategy, that's what gives you the edge. And those are people that you want to cultivate as friends for life, not just you know, I think we worry too much about what's the one deal you can hand me today. And my attitude is how do you play the long game with people? How do you build relationships that will endure? I totally, totally agree. And it's so, so important because it's the same thing with property investry. We've been very, very fortunate to have such a, a wide range of guests coming to the show. And because of that, we've up so many great relationships and a huge network of people and, and investors and developers and so forth to be able to tap into and, and I guess any call we can be able to ask them for advice or knowledge or share their wisdom with people and, and help us to be able to find and find you know, those potential deals out there so it, it's so so important to cultivate that because ultimately one once you've got that relationship then there's that trust and it would save you so much time having to sort of go out and do that all yourself and when we talk about property especially property investing it's all about building a strong team around you because you can't do everything yourself. You know, you can be an expert at one thing, but it's just impossible to be an expert at all things in property. And there's just so many moving parts and components within property that make it really, really a fun game, but also quite a challenging game at the same time as well. You know, I can give you an example. Recently, I've been working with a few deals that um, we've been putting and helping investors go into. And, you know, there's so much legal involvement that we definitely would be very heavily reliant on our on our lawyer to be able to put together the deal and if it wasn't for him there's a lot of little clauses that we would not have been to understand and see like we only know to a certain extent but by relying them on heavily we know that they can handle that and ensure that a deal goes through correctly so it's just yeah that that component in itself is already a huge part and a major part that I think I totally, totally agree that's so, so important. I also want to ask a little bit and maybe to for listeners out there who may not understand it the bless you the differences between uh, traditional and alternative investments and i know we've talked a little bit about this in previous episodes but maybe let's just qu- quickly touch over traditional to explain to people what that is and then what alternate investments are as well yeah sure um so traditional investments are the ones that you know we we all know and love traditional investments are the ones that um are often heavily regulated so stock market shares things like that bonds those sorts of things managed funds. Um, And then in property, property is a funny one. To some degree, it's less regulated, but it, you know, I I think of 
mainstream property investing as being part of the traditional investing mix. Um, in other countries, in property in itself gets discussed as an alternative investment. Um, but for the purpose of what we're talking about, typical buy and hold um, developments, those sorts of things, I, I just put that into the traditional space. And the returns on those can be um, wide ranging, but typically even commercial property I would put into traditional. Um, but I think the, the difference for me around alternative in the context that I use it is alternative is to do with number one, the, the type of strategy that you employ, but number two, the, the outcome that you're after. So often with traditional investments, we're after a capital return or growth, um, not necessarily though, um, but, but alternative investments are, for me, the pursuit of, of annuities, of income streams. Um, so that, for me, is kind of like the, the definition. They're, they're not as well known. There's not as much information out there on them. They're more difficult to access. Um, they're not necessarily more risky, but you do need to, you know, have a certain level of education around them before you um, probably get involved in them. Is that deep enough? That was pretty... Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think that's a very, very good summary to explain what the differences are. And and it really leads me to my next question about the alternate investments. And as you mentioned, they are harder to find. And I, I can talk from personal experience because I, I, I've been investing in, in property and also shares and so forth for oh, since I was a, little, a young teenager. You know, my parents got me into shares investing and so forth in property at a very young age. And... When I start looking for sort of, let's say, passive income, especially reading from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, how I was saying, you know, he's generating 10% compounded every year from investments and stuff like that. I start going to the market to try and find these and I couldn't find them at all. You know, it's just so hard. Like it's just not offered in the larger institutions. It's not talked about, you know, in, in the bank. And even if you just go to a bank nowadays to try and get a term deposit, you're probably getting a return maybe about 5 or 6% per annum. And, and that's that's the best, you know, kind of thing that you can get with your money. And, you know, luckily for us, because we, we've dealt with so many different things, we've been through development, we've been speaking to overseas, US um, property investings and so forth, these opportunities start to come up and you start to realize, hold on, they're actually there, but it's just a matter of who you know and how you get into them. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, w- would you agree that's that, that's probably one of the reasons why it's been sort of difficult to get access to these kind of opportunities? Like, why do you think... It's been challenging for a lot of investors out there because a lot of them just end up buying property instead because they can't find these kind of continuous streams of income. Look, alternative, as the way I use it, is alternative because it's not mainstream. It's not talked about for the masses. And um, I think the what I advocate is how do you blend the best of what's there with traditional with alternative? That's the that's the ultimate because it allows you to keep one foot in a camp that you know and you're familiar with and it allows you to then just use a little, like I'm really suggesting people put a very small percentage of their wealth into alternative in order to amplify cash flow. So, you know, the the real art that I'm trying to really suggest people get their head around is how do you blend? How do you take the best of what's available to you in your own local market with what's available, you know, in maybe circles and markets that you're less familiar with. So I think part of the challenge that that you have, once you start like looking into alternative investing, you see that there's 
there's no shortage of deals. Oh, sorry, there's no shortage of people telling you that there's great deals out there. The challenge is sifting through and separating the sharks from the, you know, legitimate deal makers. Um, and, you, you know, there's no question, it, it would be very easy to lose your shirt if you put your faith in the wrong people, as is true with any investing, to be frank. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the challenge and that's what we've discovered as well, working with various developers, various different types of, I guess, uh, I guess entities that we've dealt with. When, you know, when we do all our due diligence, that's where you really find out which is actually a good deal and which is not. And, and hence the reason why there's a specific criteria that we look out for before we jump into any of these. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be even looking at them ourselves as well. What's also interesting as well I wanted to sort of talk about is maybe we could talk about the case study that we've um, had, had already discussed in the previous episode or previous podcast that we did together about this couple who, who's looking to achieve, say, $200,000 income, but they have only currently a portfolio of about five point five, generating about $60,000 income from there. How have you been able to help them in this scenario to be able to look at alternate strategies and, and maybe if you can give an example of what they've done in that five-year plan compared to that 24-year plan? So my starting point with people is regardless of where you are financially, um, people often come to me and say, I want a really fast result and I'm an action taker and you know I, I'm going to deploy all my capital in a very short space of time. I, I always go full circle and say, look, you know, I think it's very hard for me to knock the accountant out of me, but my my general view is um, educate yourself, tread carefully and take small bites of the cherry. You know, what I like to see people do is, you know, you, you're learning a new kind of investing. It's not one that's spoken about. It's not one that people know a lot about. So, you know, tread carefully, build your confidence because what I'm really clear about is I'm not going to make decisions for you. You know, you need to be in the driver's seat for the money that you invest. My job is to be the guide, to hold your hand and, and help you make good decisions, but I'm not going to make the decisions for you. So what that means is there's a there's a big component here, which is around understanding and the education piece and, you know, growing your understanding of the investment opportunities themselves but I feel like my my role is to help people step up and play a bigger game in terms of wealth in general because it's really one of the things if you start studying famous characters over history who have been good at building wealth, what you see is that building wealth is one thing, keeping it is completely something else. So, you know, the sustainability of the wealth that you have, protecting it, you know, helping people who come into your world, whether it's your children or your grandchildren or causes you care about, like how do you, um, you know, foster stewardship in your tribe so that you have a higher probability of that wealth enduring. So with with this particular couple, you know, I was encouraging they do take small bites of many different cherries in the first year. It's It's not about just dumping a whole lot of money into one deal. It's like, you know, let me put 20 grand over there. Let me put 50 grand over there. Let me put 100 grand over there. Let me understand and get to know, you know, all these different deal makers. So it's, it's, it's a slow and methodical process, which as they start to build confidence, they start to see how the deals work, what the paperwork looks like, you know, the mechanics. Then they can start to ramp up their, their you know, position. 
And that, that's a very, very good stra- strategic, but also safer, in my opinion, safer way to approach it because, you know, the last thing you want to do is throw your money into, you know, one deal and then something goes bad. And I, I've always recommended that to a few of our clients that we've worked with as well too. Like I had a client who had over $800,000 and she initially said to me, look, let's just put on this one deal. And I said, no, <laughs> don't do that. It's too much yeah. uh, there. Spread your spread your eggs into separate baskets. So if one does sort of delay or there's different um, things that happen or, you know, there's worst case scenario that happens, then, you know, at least you're protected in that side because you've got other deals that bring in you know, as additional income as well too. So it's not all stuck. And, you know, we plan for the worst. We always do, you know, and hope for the best. And I guess at the end of the day, you do whatever you can to mitigate the risks. You have legals in place, you have contracts, you have all the people, yada, yada, yada. But you can never, ever know what's going to be happening because no one has a crystal ball. So that is a very, very good and smart strategy to approach rather than just jumping straight into, you know, the first one that you see. And then, and as Selena said, there's plenty of opportunities out in the market. It's just a matter of finding the right ones. And that just takes a bit of time. So, yeah, I, I think this is fantastic that we talked about alternate strategies in, in this episode. And it really ties really well because once you've got this plan, I guess the, the next thing is, okay, let's take some action to to work out, okay, what's going to be the right alternative strategies or alternative investments that will actually help you in a fast track to where you want to achieve. So, Selena, in the next episode, what are we going to be talking about in part three? Yeah, so uh, part three of the uh, the freedom formula is, is really the autonomy piece. Um, you know, how do you get put yourself in a position where, instead of having no choice about whether or not you run your business, you put yourself into the situation where if you sell your business for a high ticket price bonus, if you don't, doesn't matter. Um, but it's about, you know, if you want to keep working, not keep working, but it's about that capacity to have choice and, and how we achieve that. Fantastic. Looking forward to that one. That one's uh, it's really, really a passion for me because then you have choice to do whatever it is, whether it be philanthropy work or whether you want to spend more time with your kids or you know do the things that you've wanted to always do. That that's when you can actually do that. So absolutely, fantastic. All right. Well, thank you so much, Selena, and great to have you on the podcast again. Awesome. Thanks, Tyrone. Thanks so much for listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're a business owner feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.